It's the number one sports analytics conference in the world. I've been here a number of times, loved it every time and figured it's a great place to launch a new product. This conference is obviously the biggest one, I think, at Sloan, so I've obviously heard about it a lot. We have the best content agenda, we have the best startup competition, and we have the best presentations. This is the Language of Business, a podcast designed to inform and inspire entrepreneurs and anyone thinking about a startup or a small business looking for a competitive edge. Hear about strategies that work and strategies that don't work from people who've been there and done that. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Gregory Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. The entire sports world is on hold, but that doesn't mean no one's talking about it. In this episode, we go to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference and meet three teams in the startup competition, and one of them winds up a winner. Here's Greg Stoller. Don, thank you. How do you bring the fun of the sport to the practice field? We're on location with CEO and founder of Uncaged Sports, Jonathan Day, at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you for having me. What does Uncaged Sports hope to achieve? Uh, We're hoping to bring a mobile application that focuses on helping players improve their swing, improve their pitching, and be able to do that in a competitive environment where they get to actually have fun while they do all the menial individual training that they typically have to do. But this goes well beyond just videotaping yourself and watching it on your iPhone. Oh, definitely. It uses advanced computer vision capabilities on a mobile phone to provide individual and uh, immediate feedback on your swing and on your stance so that you can improve as quickly as possible. Is an amateur, though, going to understand how he, she, or they can actually improve? Oh, definitely. The whole uh, goal is to make it as simple of feedback as possible so that they can say uh, either raise your hands or the same thing that a personal coach would do for you, make it as simple and easy to you as possible. But who's the they in this case? Majority of users are going to be the youth athletes competing in travel baseball, little league, and similar for softball. But it can go all the way up to the major leagues. But my point is, is somebody watching these videos and providing instruction or is it all AI? Oh, it's all AI. It's immediate. It's all on your phone. You don't have to save anything and send it off and wait for people to come back. It's within seconds of you taking the swing, it gives you feedback on what you could have done better. And if you curated, say, the baseball swings of the 30 best MLB players, how does the technology know what's good and what's bad? Yeah, so there are so many different swings and so many different ways of being successful in baseball that we try not to make it such that you want to fit a certain mold. We basically say, you have your own swing, we're going to adjust it to see how you do better and give you feedback such that your swing meets your own needs and requirements. Are there any sports that you don't cover? Right now, we don't do cricket, volleyball. There's a number of sports in the world, but we do do baseball, we're doing soccer, we're going into hockey, and there's a number of other ones that we're moving into. So is the probability for success higher because this isn't your first startup? Oh, definitely. Lots of lessons learned from previous experience. And those other experiences, you've grown successful businesses? Yeah, I've grown one business from $250,000 contract up to over $5 million a year. And then a second one currently building as well. We're up to almost a million dollars a year, started about a year and a half ago. How did you find your way to the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference? It's the number one sports analytics conference in the world. I've been here a number of times, loved it every time, and figured it's a great place to launch a new product. And what are you hoping, I mean, obviously only two people per track can win, (laughs) uh, but how would you consider yourself to have had a successful run? Get our message out there, get some feedback, hopefully get some meetings with potential investors and or sponsors within the professional realms. Are the users players, coaches, or teams? 
So the majority of users are players, but we also have an ability for coaches to set up their entire team so that they can view and track how their players have advanced over time and how often they're using the system. So would each player have a different file, sort of yep. bookend, if you will? Or? Yeah, they have their own account. It tracks their own progress. But the coach is able to look at all of them as one set. Exactly. Right. What keeps you up at night about uncaged sports? Oh, uh, it's a mobile app. There's millions of mobile apps out there right now. So how can we prove that we are better than everybody else? And how would you prove that? Just letting people use it and giving them that immediate feedback and showing that it actually is accurate and proven to work. What is your favorite sport? Uh, favorite is hockey. And how often do you use your own app? Uh, I don't use it that often, but my son uses it quite a bit. And how old is he? He's 12. And is he, what position does he play and what, what is he using the app for? So he was a defenseman and now he's uh, changing over to being a goalie. So we're working on advancing it from just a stick handling app to helping goalies as well. That's terrific. Jonathan, thank you. Thank you very much. Jonathan Day, the CEO and founder of Uncaged Sports. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Uncaged Sports was the winner in the startup competition performance track. Still to come, a way to turn an online fan into a P1 customer. But first, an app you can use for at-home health diagnostics. Back to Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. Is it possible to fall in love with a medical test? We're on location here at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center with Lila Zamani, the CEO of Fidesity, trusted by Olympians and loved by everyday athletes. And welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you, thanks for having me. How is it possible to love a medical test? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, that's, that's what we do. So there are many ways in which you could love it. Obviously, the experience that people have in mind when they think about a medical test is not the ideal one. So they think about a crowded lab room, they think about a doctor, illness. And basically, what we do at Fitnessity is we partner with labs all across the country, from very large ones to smaller clinics and hospitals, to design a consumer-friendly sports testing experience, so performance fitness testing experience. Which would go further than your average CBC at a uh, doctor's office. Yes, exactly. So it covers pretty much anything that an athlete can care about from injury risk, metabolic health, muscle status, nutrition, hydration, uh, sports-specific testing. And basically what we do is not only provide a test with the help of our partner, but also provide reports that are user-friendly that also come with all the analytics that you need as an athlete to make it actionable. So that's also another way. But who's going to be reading those tests, the athlete or the coach? Both. The coach is obviously the primary or one of our main audience, but obviously at the end of the day, the athlete is the subject, so both of them. But you mentioned user-friendly. Mm -hmm. If the coach isn't a physician or a medical practitioner, mm -hmm. and the athlete probably isn't, how does one know what to look for? That's a great question. That's also part of the work that we do. So our platform is designed in a way that we not only give you the results, but we also use a lot of publicly available data, so databases, research, to put your results in the context of your sport and yourselves. For example, not only would you get your results, but also you can explore, for instance, and see how you compare using criteria that matter to you, like age, gender, ethnicity, or sport-specific criteria. You can see how you compare with other athletes. You can see exactly what it means for your sport to be at a specific level compared to athletes that are similar to you. So these are ways in which we make the results as you know, actionable and understandable as possible. And better, I assume, than a sports medicine clinic could do. I wouldn't go as far as saying better, but just in a way that is more tech-enabled and that is very user-friendly. We have also tests that you can do from the convenience of your home, so biomarker tests, you just order them and then you complete them at your home. I mean, the idea is to make it very convenient for you and to make it accessible wherever you are in the U.S. in a few clicks, 
order a test just like you would order any other product. No confusion, you see the list, you order, complete the test and get your results. And in terms of the additional ways in which we make it more actionable and convenient is that you also have the option to schedule a physician call if you have more medical questions. Again, from the convenience of your home, you can schedule a physician call through us and then to go through more medical questions if you have ones. But other than that, most of the information is really in the report and the analytics in the report. When teams trade for different players, they have to have a battery of medical tests that go along with the testing. Do teams ever use your service? That's a good question. In general, what we find, and the reason why we created a company is that a lot of teams, so especially large ones, already have access to these services on site. And so by definition, they probably won't be our first customer. But at the same time, when you look at the sports market in aggregate, these athletes represent a very small, tiny fraction of the population. The rest, the vast majority actually don't have access to these tests. So this is our market. So the market is- our that, market That's is your target market. It's yes. very specialized, etc. Yes. You went to school at MIT, but this is your first time at the analytics conference. How did you get here? Yeah, this conference is obviously the biggest one. I think it's slow, so I've obviously heard about it a lot. So that's one of the ways. I mean, this place really feels like home. I spent some time here, so it's always nice to be back. And as soon as I saw the conference this year, I made sure I put it on my calendar. And you're based in New York, and you're in over 30 states so far? Yes, yes, we're based in New York. And what are your hopes for the competition aspect of the conference this weekend? <laughs> uh, well, I think it's exciting. I saw the list of companies. It's a nice group of companies. I mean, the goal is to you know get exposure, obviously, to as many people as possible and make as many connections as possible. And I think it's going to be a great conference. And what keeps you up at night about the future of Finesity? <laughs> so we also have sleep as part of our testing. <laughs> but, I could uh, use that, yes. What keeps me up at night as far as performance testing? I think probably one of the most important questions is to make sure that as many people as possible, this is in general, athletes, but, but people in general have access to their health information, performance information, but also just lab testing information because our vision is to obviously we're focused on athletes, but obviously our vision is to go a little bit deeper, I mean wider, sorry, in terms of our customer base to touch the what we call the everyday athlete and the, and the you know, engaged fitness consumer. And so I think giving people access to easy access to lab data, to health information in general, it's a very big mission. I mean, it's a very big thing to tackle, but I think it's one thing that we hope to contribute to as a company. Lila, thank you. Thanks for having me. Lila Zamani, CEO and founder of Finesity. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. Coming up, a former Boston College quarterback has a way for sports vendors to turn a casual fan into a P1 customer and a look at how they organize the largest sports analytics conference in the world. When the Language of Business continues. Support for the Language of Business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. If you want to take the next step in your career, despite social distancing requirements, Boston University has an option for you. The Questrom Online MBA. It's a top 50 program for a very affordable $24,000. And you can complete your online MBA in as little as two years. As an online MBA student, you'll be part of a truly global learning community with your fellow online MBA students all around the world. You'll join a network that includes outstanding faculty and staff in Boston and over 51,000 Questrom alumni and 335,000 BU alumni around the world. Interested? Get full details at bu.edu slash Questrom. You're listening to the Language of Business look at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, the largest in the world. Once again... Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. 
Whenever you watch sports, you want to be incognito, but not if Quentin Porter has his way. He wants to identify who you are and ultimately convert you. He is the VP of North America of PICO, and we're on location here at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thanks, Greg. Glad to be here. What does it mean to be identified? Identified means that I've got a first-party customer profile on you as a fan, and I have control now of how I engage with you and target you, retarget you, and generally there's some information on that profile that's helpful when you're communicating with them more effectively. And is this involuntary or voluntary identification? From a fan standpoint, it's all voluntary. Yeah, the fan is identified by Pico because they've engaged in a Pico activation, which is just on behalf of the team and they're interacting with the team in a fun way, whether it's a game or voting on something or a trivia, and it's happening on their native channel. So they're already fans and they're already engaged, and we're just letting them do something else that's fun and willingly sharing information in a one-to-one -one communication with the team. So walk us through this. I'm watching the Patriots on TV. I post something on Facebook. What happens next? Yeah, so if you're watching the Patriots, and most fans are also looking at their social pages, so they're seeing the, the, the Patriots post come up about the game and a touchdown that scored, and let's say it's a great touchdown, uh, maybe I can vote on the best touchdown that happened in that game, or I can answer a trivia question about the player, and the, the Patriots just you know, create these things pretty easily. But instead of me just liking and commenting or posting with your hashtag, which is all great, we want to have that happen. And instead of that being the case, and that's the end of the story for the team, they just got some pretty cool social engagement from you as a fan. Uh, we're letting the fans do something else that's fun. And that now, instantly, the Patriots now have a one-to-one -one communication channel with you. And I have identified you in their first-party database. So who is your customer? Is it the teams or is it the league? It's the leagues and the teams. And how do they pay you? It's just a SaaS subscription model, and we let them run with it, and we also support them from a strategic standpoint. So it's not just you know giving them technology and, and running with it. Um, the team in, in Israel, which we'll get to, is, is very smart and knows the, the industry really well, and um, we help them execute what it is that we're giving them from a technology standpoint. You have a personal interest in this, having been the former quarterback at Boston College. Mm -hmm. How did you make your way from sports icon to actually VP <laughs> of North America? Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, um, I finished my MBA at BC while I was playing up in the CFL and winding my career down. And I decided to hang up the cleats and went into actually private equity venture capital. But with an eye towards are some of these startups that I'm looking at going to be interesting. And so I did find one initially, which was based in Reston, Virginia, and ran revenue for them for five years and grew and uh, was lucky enough to be reached out to by Pico. And um, instantly I knew that they were onto something. So I jumped on board with Pico. Did they find you or did you find them? Uh, it was a little bit of both. They found an employee of mine at Zoom who told me about them and then I connected with the CEO and it went pretty quickly from there. How do you communicate when they are eight hours ahead of you depending on what time zone you're in? They're in Haifa, you are here in Boston. Yes. How does that whole thing work out? Luckily, they are up very late and they are up early as well, just like I am, and we communicate really well. I, we haven't had a problem with that. Um, the, the team of founders is obviously really dedicated. so. They've been good enough about getting up at midnight and getting on calls with me or um, answering client emails and, and questions in the middle of the night. Um, hopefully that won't last. We're going to be growing our, our footprint here in the States here really quickly. Why the Sports Analytics Conference and why now? Yeah, this is a great conference. I've been here a couple times at, um, at my previous company and it's sort of the biggest and best you know, event of its kind 
obviously we're focused on the business side, not the performance side. Uh, but uh, for us, for one, we're up for a, a fan experience technology award. So we're here Congratulations. to win yep. that and also get a chance to meet with people who you don't typically get to talk to too much because they're on the data side of things. Um, you know, we talk to a lot of marketing people and digital folks, but um, here's a really good chance to meet the people that handle the data for teams. Are you competing or networking or both? Both, yes. And what are your hopes and dreams for the competition aspect of it? That we win the Fan Engagement Technology Startup Award and that I have some really quality meetings, which I already have, so I I'm, I'm, I'm almost have a full schedule of meetings lined up already, and one of the goals maybe is to not have to sit at the booth and uh, strike up random convos with people, because <laughs> it's not always fun. What keeps you up at night about your role as VP of North America or the company as a whole? Well, what keeps me up at night right now is that Pico is very disruptive, and it's not just, hey, let me show you how good we are at doing this, and you guys have a, a variety of you know, different things you're choosing from to do that. We're, we're actually teaching them something new that they didn't really think about before, and then asking them to you know, carve up the budget and put it in their priorities. And that is a challenge, but it's a very welcome challenge because we know we are solving a real problem. It's just a matter of teaching them about that and convincing them of how important it is um, so that they can immediately get the re return from it. Uh, but it is a challenge. And what is your competitive advantage in a, in a phrase? Our competitive advantage is that we're the only ones doing what I explained to you in the way that we are. Um, the current methods of doing that are, are totally outdated. You, you come to some landing page and end up filling out a form and they still really don't know much about you and they're gonna get, give you a bunch of random emails after that. And um, we're the only ones doing it where instantly you're identified and you're sharing information in a communication, a one-to-one -one communication flow. And because we're the only ones doing that, I'd say that alone is an advantage, but we're also presenting that problem and solution in a way that no one else is. Quentin, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Quentin Porter, VP of North America for Pico. Back to you, Don. Thanks. Greg talks with co-lead organizer Jason Rayout about putting it all together. It's one thing to organize an entire conference, but how do you ensure people actually show up? We're on location at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center with Jason Rayhout, one of the co-lead organizers for the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, yep. and welcome to the Language of Business. Thanks for having me. How do you go about organizing an entire conference? It's a giant team effort. I mean, we have a team of 11 leadership team members. We have a team of 45 people underneath them. I think we have seven or eight different work streams. It takes a whole army to run this thing, and it's, it's great. But you are a second-year student at Sloan. I am a second-year student And you're taking classes and trying to get a job and doing this on nights and weekends. Uh, yep, and during the day. Yep, and, we're trying exactly. to mix it all in, yeah. And are you a sports guy? I am a sports guy. I played baseball my entire life from the time I was four all the way through college. Always thought it would be a cool experience to work in it someday. I was actually with Major League Baseball this summer, interning with them in their digital content and product strategy group. Had a great time, learned a lot. This is now the culmination of my business school experience. And what's awesome. going to happen after you graduate finishing your second year? Going back to my old company, Deloitte, uh, yep. Deloitte Consulting, where I was before. Really enjoyed it, hoping to work and, and do projects related to the sports industry. How are you going to measure success from the Sports Analytics Conference? It's a great question. We want uh, everything to go off without a hitch, obviously, from an operational perspective. That would be success for us on our planning side. We already have developed a great content agenda, so if people can walk through the hallways, make great connections, enjoy what's on the stage, that's really what we want out of this, this weekend. Tell us how the startup competition aspect of it works. 
we have a set of 25, 30, 40 applications that we sift through. I think we have 13 companies here in the competition this year in two different tracks, the fan experience and the performance track. They come, they have their boost. There's the trade show component, so they have their boost in the trade show hallway. And then they have a 10-minute pitch, a startup competition pitch. They pitch in front of judges, and the winners of each track gets $5,000. And it's only winner-take-all, there's not a second stage or second or third place? Winner-take-all for each track, yeah, so there's two total winners. And how many attendees are you expecting? Uh, roughly 3,000, 3,300, yep, somewhere in there. And if my research holds up, this is your 14th consecutive year doing this? 14th consecutive yeah. year. What makes number 14 different than one through 13? I think every year we just continue to build on the content agenda that we have. We continue to get better panelists, uh, more accomplished panelists, a lot of interesting topics. The startup competition gets tougher and tougher. We continue to make the competitive advantage presentations a lot more analytical and continue to grow those. And then this year, I'm really excited about the different interactive events that we have going on. So we have table tennis, we have a Jeopardy style events. We have our uh, first robotics competition. We have a lot of middle school, high school students showing off their ro robots. So we're trying to get more and more attendees involved in the conference rather than just show up, watch a panel. What makes your sports analytics conference different than anyone else across the country? I think a lot of it has to do with the tutelage of Jess and, and Daryl, our co-chairs, and being able to work with them. You know, I think we have the best content agenda, we have the best startup competition, and we have the best presentations, and we couldn't do it without our sponsors either, and so we have a lot of great partners that we work with on this. Jason, thank you very much. Yep, thank you. Jason Rayhout, one of the co-lead organizers for the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. And that's our latest episode. The Language of Business is available wherever you get podcasts. We have downloads in 62 countries that we're aware of and 10 more that are marked as unknown. We really appreciate the support. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and you'll automatically receive new episodes. Our social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Consulting producer, Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, thanks for listening to The Language of Business.